Pittsburgh Steeler fans, it is time once again for another episode of Here We Go, the Steelers pregame show. My name is Brian Anthony Davis. You know me, but better, you know this guy, KT Smith. He is the award-winning coach of Ocean City High School in New Jersey. KT Smith, what is up? Not much, Brian. Before we went on, I was watching the Polar Express with my kids. So I was curious to your thoughts. You're a Polar Express fan? You know what? I think it's good. Anything with Tom Hanks' voice or whatever. I I, I like the magic of it. So, yeah. Cool. Probably none of my top 10 because I've got a lot of top 10 favorite Christmas movies. But, you know, it, it's there for me. There's a, it's a creepy darkness to that movie that I haven't quite figured out. I still can't, I can't figure out the vibe they're going for. I, it it, it, it kind of weirds me out, to be quite honest, whenever I watch that movie. So <laughs> my, do you like the movie? Or? My four-year-old daughter thought it was a little creepy, so... Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> let's. Uh, gosh, I would love to do an entire show with you on Christmas movies, <laughs> but I, I know we can't. I know the, yeah, that's uh, a hot topic around behind the steel curtain. A lot of debate over what yeah, constitutes the, a Christmas movie. So we'll we'll stay out of that for now. The boys from Down Under were talking about Die Hard the other day. I'm still a Lethal oh. Weapon fan. I love Die Hard, but I'm a Lethal Weapon fan too. So and Lethal Weapon does not get the praise as being a great Christmas movie like Die Hard does. Yeah. People get worked up about that stuff. <laughs> Absolutely do. So instead of Christmas movies, let's talk about let's talk about dark, dark movies. And it was a three-hour extravaganza on Sunday. It was the Steelers Ravens. Now I promise you we're gonna talk Steelers Panthers because that might brighten up our day. But we've got to talk about where the Steelers are and where they're going to be on Sunday. And we've got to start with, can we call it a debacle, Kevin? You know, it felt so much worse than a game that the Steelers lost by two points. And had they gotten a stop, had they, had they made one play on defense there near the end, they, they had a chance to get the ball back and, and drive down and win the game. It was an eminently winnable game. And yet it just felt like they got their butts kicked. And that's, I don't know what that is, man. I, mean, I think my, maybe it's the, the way in which uh, when another team runs the ball down your throat, it's so demoralizing. And in that fourth quarter, when everybody in the world knew that Baltimore had to run the football, they were down to their third string quarterback who'd never taken a snap in a regular season NFL game. There was no way that they were going to lean on him as a passer. Everybody knew that they were running the ball. Uh, and, you, and you had a pretty good idea what they were going to run, too. I mean, they'd been pounding the ball between the tackles all game long. And then this, just the Steelers couldn't stop it. And that was just so deflating. So so a game that ended up 16-14, for me anyway, felt a lot worse than that. Yeah, it it really felt demoralizing to watch because they had, it felt like that game so many times was on a silver platter for this team and they just were not able to get that done. Why do you think that is? What, what's the holdup with the Steelers? Was it the Kenny Pickett injury or was it just more than that? Well, I think if, if Pickett stays healthy, they win the game because they don't turn it over three times. Uh, those were, those were so crushing interceptions and I'm not here to, to bang on Mitchell Trubisky. I mean, he was thrown into uh, the fire there without really probably having taken any starters reps all week long and probably hadn't taken any for a while since Pickett re-entered the lineup. And 
so you know you're you're in a tough situation there but uh just the 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 way that those mistakes were made you know the first one the first interception is thrown inside the 10 yard line and you know it's it's he's just late everything's late and you can't be late over the middle in the nfl and and it's not totally his fault you know pat they're trying to he's trying to throw to pat fryer move on on a deep in route and they're running you know like a crossing we call a drive concept where Fryermuth is the deep crosser, and then you got a shallow crosser coming in front of him, and that's Steven Sims. And Sims is late getting to where he needs to be, and Fryermuth is late getting to where he needs to be, and the two routes sort of converge in the same part of the field. And and you know Roquan Smith is able to cover both guys. He's actually covering Sims, but he picks off a ball intended for Fryermuth because the routes are so compressed. But you know, I mean, it just it's something that that Trubisky's got to got to know he's got to know that there's a backside route coming and somebody's going to be covering it and so he doesn't and then the, the second one is down the middle of the field again and he just stares down fryer i mean he stares him down the entire time uh and patrick queen comes from the backside to pick it off because he's just following fryer or uh, trubisky's eyes and that one's thrown you know inside the 15 and then the third one is promising drive the Steelers start on their own 11 yard line and they drive the ball way out past midfield and then on a first and 10 play they just chuck up a deep ball which is like you're just kind of guessing that you're going to be able to you know catch the ravens and they're in single high coverage and again he Trubisky just stares down the deep route and the safety is able to come over and pick it off so i think i think the the way that those interceptions were thrown they weren't freakish interceptions where a ball gets tipped or batted away or where a defender makes a great play. They're just kind of, you know, lazy. I, I hate to use the word lazy, but just, they're just interceptions a pro quarterback shouldn't throw. And and that was demoralizing too. So for me, uh, they couldn't stop the run when they needed to, but at the same time, the quarterback play, you know, made that game tougher than it should have been. It really was. Now I have an opinion about Kenny Pickett in that game because it seems like, and we were talking about this on the post-game show with Dave Schofield and Jeff Hartman and myself, that Kenny Pickett's role, it seemed like at the beginning of that game, even though he wasn't in long, was if you have to take off and run, take off and run, get field goals if you have to get field goals. The Ravens are a team you can beat with field goals. But with that being said, Mitch did some things that that Kenny might not do. He might have not completed that 42-yard pass play to George Pickens so you don't know but my theory is that Mitch Trubisky would have had probably 100 yards rushing in that game if he stayed in uh yeah Pickett you mean yeah excuse me Kenny yeah, Pickett. yeah. no I think you're right and I think that's exactly what he was doing early on I mean it, it seemed it was hard to tell without really seeing the all 22 but it seemed as though Baltimore was dropping you know seven in coverage and um and they were, you know, they were blanketing the downfield routes and then Pickett was taken off when he needed to. And and that was smart. He was doing the right thing there. And and I think that his legs uh, would have been an asset in that game, no question about it. The biggest thing is this. While, yes, I agree with you, maybe he doesn't make the downfield throws to Pickens that uh, Trubisky makes. But at the same time, he hadn't thrown an interception in four games. So if the Steelers get into field goal position on any of those drives where they wind up turning the ball over, Pickett probably, you know, protects the football and they at least get a chance at a field goal. And that could have been the difference in the game. So, so I think the things that he's doing well right now, Kenny Pickett um, are not sexy. You know, they're not splash 
play type things. And, you know, he's not kind of making the sports center highlight type plays, but in the last four weeks, when the Steelers had gone three and one prior to the Baltimore game, he was giving them a chance to win football games by managing the offense, not turning the ball over and making the plays where, when he could. So that's a pretty good recipe for the Steelers. And instead they got the opposite. They got a couple of splash plays and then some, some just soul crushing interceptions. I'd rather have the former than the latter. Well, those interceptions were a problem, but in your opinion, was the defense even more of a problem? If you're going to have to uh, put a, a losing pie together, who gets more of a share? Well, I mean, you can you can rationalize it by saying, well, the defense only gave up 16 points, and if you give up 16 points, you should win, and that's true. And I do believe that the interceptions weighed more because they they took points off the board. You know, I think that there are if the Steelers do nothing but. Uh, d- but don't turn the ball over on those first two drives. They they kick two short field goals and they have six more points. And, you know, you can't play this game of, well, if this had happened, then then everything else would have fallen into place. But six points in a game like that probably makes the difference. The, the, the run defense was so demoralizing because you knew what Baltimore was going to do and the Steelers couldn't stop it. Everybody in the building on that third and three play with just over two minutes to go, when Baltimore's got the ball in their own 28-yard line, and if the Steelers get a stop, Baltimore's going to punt it back, and Pittsburgh's going to have two minutes, you know, when they're probably only going to need to go about 35 yards or so to get in the field goal range, and all that all that feels very achievable. And everybody in the world knows that Baltimore's going to run the ball. And, you know, you and I talked on, on this show last week, and I talked to you about when I had coached against Greg Roman uh, when he was coaching at, at Holy Spirit High School back in 2008, and, you know, he, 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 he probably had 20 different ways to run power, which is a block down, kick out, and kind of sort through the bodies type, you know, run play. And that's what they ran on third and three. I mean, everybody in the world knew they were going to run some kind of power run, and they ran power, the same play that Greg Roman's been running since he was a high school coach. And the Steelers couldn't stop it. And that's, you know, that's just demoralizing. And, and so I think, I think while the offense, the turnovers impacted the game more, I think the way that the game ended was just very deflating. Yeah, it really did. So now it's time to go ahead and try to look forward and try to see what the Steelers can do against Carolina. You know, there's still an outside shot at the playoffs. I know that's that's crazy. But with that being said, before we go to break, what do you think the Steelers goals are going forward now? I think Mike Tomlin's goals are to win every football game and and to continue to do what he does. I don't think I don't think his strategy or plan ch- changes at all. I don't think he's a guy who starts to think about next year and I don't think he says to himself, well, you know, let's let's see about this player or that player or, you know, if if Kenny Pickett's the starting quarterback, let's see if he can do a b and c um, you know, in terms of his preparation for next year Let, let's work on some things I don't, I don't think he's that guy at all I think he's he's we're gonna we're gonna try and win every football game game we can uh so I don't you know I think if you ask Mike Tomlin what's the what's the plan for the rest of the season that I think his answer would be very blunt you know the the standard is the standard win football games and and um you know I'm, I'm sure the Steelers will be prepared and competitive yeah I think he would yell at me if I asked him that question I think a hundred percent he would not be happy with that question <laughs> 
Absolutely. Any final thoughts from the uh, Baltimore Pittsburgh game as we go forward? Well, you know, I mean, as as tough of that as that was, and that, and that that game hit me hard, man, because because the Steelers had won three out of their last four, and and it just felt like, oh, they're going to win this game. They're going to somehow they're going to pull this game out. Um, and you know, had they done so, and they'd be sitting at six and seven right now, and and the way that the rest of the weekend fell, they'd be in the conversation uh, for a playoff spot, and and with with four remaining games, three of which are very, very winnable. I mean, it it certainly seemed as though the Steelers uh, could have put themselves into, uh, you know, playoff contention, which would have been remarkable considering the way the season started and some of the changes that they've gone through. So, so, well, you know, I, I know, I I think, I think I feel, I still feel it. I'm, I'm maybe I even sound it right now, but I still feel like I have a little bit of a doom and gloom because of the way things transpired on Sunday. There's a lot to be, positive over i mean this the steelers this is a incredibly young steeler football team that's gone through a ton of change this year and they're they're just they're not that far away i mean it's they lost 16 14 to to a a much more talented ravens team um and you know i i think i think that there's there's when you look at the steelers going forward that the the needle's really pointing up so so disappointed but at the same time still very excited about the team as am I. I have not lost my zest for this team either, but it's going to be really interesting to see them play the Carolina Panthers this week in a warm climate. It's going to be 45 degrees of what they're saying, and that to me is a warm climate for December, so I will take that, and we're going to talk all about that when we come back after this short break on Here We Go, the Steelers pregame show. Welcome back to Here We Go, the Steelers pregame show. I am Brian Anthony Davis. Alongside me is the one and only KT Smith. Coach, how's it going? Going great. Looking forward to uh, to this Carolina Panther game. I mean, it's a really intriguing game uh, because you know these these teams only match up once every every four years, and I think stylistically these are these are two teams that have some similarities. And, uh, you know, and I'm a big fan of the Panthers uniforms. So I always like playing teams with good uniforms. Which, which ones do you like better? The black or the, the blue? Because black. sometimes they do the powder blue. Sometimes they do the full black. I think they're both. So, so, so you, I think you know this, but I have two sons, one, one who's older, uh, and one who's nine. And my son who's older is a Carolina Panther fan. Now they both like the Steelers. They both like the Steelers. Uh, but they, but my son who's older is a Carolina Panthers fan because when he was first watching football and getting into football, he fell in love with the, the Panther on the helmet and and the the blue, you know, the baby blue jerseys. Yeah. So so he became a Panther, and my younger son, <laughs> and this no longer seems as depressing as it once did, is a Detroit Lions fan because he has fallen in love with the the Lions helmet and their uniform as well, and and. And that's a team that's playing some darn good football these days. So uh, he's got something to be excited about. So it's so while while both my sons are Steelers fans, they they they're rooting for obscure NFC teams as their primary teams. So it could be worse, I guess. So what are you telling me? They like silver 
and badass cats. Evidently, evidently they had a thing for, yeah, you know, some, some predators when they were younger. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely love it. I, I tell you what, I, I do like the, I like when they wear the black jerseys too, because I think those things really pop with the yeah. light blue, with the baby blue and, and the silver in there. I believe when they first came out that they were, they were kicking around the black helmet and uh, I thought they were supposed to go back to that, but I don't think they ever did. No, I don't think so either, but um but you know, Carolina is interesting, man. They're a, they're a run first team. I mean, they, they do some things that uh rule remind Steelers fans of the Steelers. They 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 want to run the football and they want to they want to play good defense and they tend to be in close games because of those things and uh they've got a pretty even record when it comes to you know to one score games. You know, they, they had a couple of bad losses earlier in the year, but they've won three out of four. I mean they're playing pretty good football. They're another five and eighteen that you could look at them and say uh, if, if a couple of things had gone differently, they'd be in the conversation to be a playoff team as well. So by no means is this a, a pushover game. It's going to be two pretty, pretty evenly matched teams. And they both have something else in common um, besides the fact that they had Jerry Richardson when he owned the team, one of the models team after the Steelers. Uh, if you get a chance to check out Know Your Enemy that was on on Wednesday night, with Dwight Stone, he was talking about Jerry Richardson and wanting to model right after Pittsburgh. And then you have Mr. Tepper, who is a, a former minority owner of the Steelers. And now he's the owner of the Panthers. It seems like they're very much the same team. Then you throw in the fact that both of them helped damage the career of Baker Mayfield. <laughs> That's always a bonus for sure. <laughs> uh I will hey, say uh, that I was rooting for Baker to... last week, though. Oh yeah, oh yeah, he pulled one out. Hey, I'm looking forward to listening to your uh, to your interview with Dw- Dwight Stone. That's a that's a great great interview for you. It was absolutely a blast, and you'll get to hear my personal story of, in that show as well because I had a personal story 30 years ago with Dwight. So really, really fun stuff to listen to. Uh, Shannon White was a blast on that show as well. Great questions. Um, accommodating guy he's he's like hey just give me your address i'll send you something (laughs) to to shannon um but let's go talk about i just mentioned baker mayfield and this team has been a mess at quarterback because they've lost a lot of draft capital trying to make that quarterback position right and i did not think they made bad moves when they made those moves especially the sam darnold move but it hasn't paid off what do you know about this quarterback position here in Carolina and uh, how have they come off so bad with this? Yeah, that's a good question. Their passing offense is terrible. Uh, it's 30th in the league. I mean, they're, they're averaging only 169 yards passing a game, which in the NFL these days is uh, almost unheard of. That I mean, it's, People think the Steelers' passing game has struggled, but uh, but Pittsburgh's averaging over you know thirty some yards more a game than Carolina. Uh, you know, Darnold's just never been able to you know reclaim the the success he had in college as an NFL quarterback. Uh, you know, his his most famous moment as an NFL quarterback was when he was captured on the sideline saying, "I see ghosts." Yeah, uh, you know, which is a horrible thing to hear from a quarterback because essentially what it's saying is. Things are moving too fast, and I just I'm not seeing you know, a clear picture of what's happening. And that and that that element of processing 
for a lot of quarterbacks is difficult as you move up levels, whether you're moving up from, from high school to college or college to the pros. And it just doesn't seem as though he was able or he has been able to do it at a high level. But he had some success last week in, in Carolina running the ball. Sam Darnold actually ran for almost 100 yards. And, and the Panthers have a darn good run game. So while the passing game has struggled, um, they, the success that they have found this season has generally been on the ground. They have a respectable rushing attack. They're, they're 12th in the league in rushing. And, and that's, you know, that's scary for the Steelers coming off the last two weeks. I mean, the Steelers, uh, you know, were bad in the second half against Atlanta. And then we all know what happened last week against Baltimore. So I think, you know, if you're Carolina, the blueprint's pretty clear. You run the football, run the football, try and set up some play action opportunities or get the Steelers to get overly aggressive and take your shots in the passing game. Uh, at that point. So if the Steelers can't stop the run, it's the, the quality of quarterback play in Carolina is not going to matter a whole lot. Absolutely. Cause you, like you said earlier, we saw that last week when they took on the Ravens and, you know, maybe about what, what's it been six, seven weeks since they traded for, they traded away, excuse me, Mr. Christian McCaffrey. And when they trade a guy like that away, a lot of people in Pittsburgh were, well, that week 15 matchup's going to be easy now, but not so fast because they have some guys like Chuba and other guys that play some pretty good football on the ground. They got a, they have a great one-two punch at running back. I mean, Dante Foreman is the, the primary ball carrier, and he's a load, man. He's a thick, powerful, hard to bring down, you know, makes a lot of yards after contact type running back, and then when they when he comes off the field, you get Chuba Hubbard, who's a great change of pace guy, who's a quicker slasher type with good hands out of the out of the backfield. So that that one two punch is really effective, and um, you know I think that that they're going to be able to run some downhill concepts like the Ravens ran. I think you'll see some things that'll look familiar. They'll get into some heavier sets, some two tight end sets. Um, you know, they being Thomas and Tommy Tremble at their tight ends. And you and I were talking before the show and I was saying how I really liked Tommy Tremble coming out of the draft out of Notre Dame a couple of years ago. I thought when the Steelers were in the market for a blocking tight end, I thought he'd be a guy uh, who they, they could take a look at maybe in the mid rounds of the draft. And, you know, he's doing a pretty nice job adding to the tight end room there in, in Carolina. Um so, you know, they'll get into those heavier sets and they'll, they're going to run the ball right at the Steelers and the Steelers are going to need some answers. They will. Now, when you throw the ball, when they, uh, I know they've had some problems throwing the football, but when they go back to pass, there's some guys out there that could catch the football too. And DJ Moore, Maryland's own, is still one of them. Yeah, I like DJ Moore a lot. And, um, you know, Frisman Jackson, the Steelers wide receiver coach, was the wide receivers coach in Carolina for the previous couple of seasons before he came to Pittsburgh and he helped develop DJ Moore and he raved about DJ Moore's work ethic and his route running ability, his toughness, you know, he's a physical receiver. He's kind of like a smaller version of AJ Brown in, in Philly. And, um, you know, he, he's obviously the go-to guy there in Carolina. And my hope for the Steelers, if, uh, if I go off here on a, on a little tangent is, that Frisman Jackson will be able to do with George Pickens um, what he was able to do with, with DJ Moore. He, when DJ Moore came into the league, he was pretty raw. Uh, and Frisman Jackson, you know, taught him some of the, the finer 
elements of playing wide receiver in the NFL. And there's a lot of things that are true in that sense about George Pickens. I mean, George Pickens is an elite talent whose game still needs some honing in order to become a more well-rounded receiver. He's got to run better routes and he's got to do some things when he's not the primary target uh, that'll help him get open uh, when he is that primary target. He's got to learn to become a professional. And, and I think Frisman Jackson had a lot of success with DJ Moore doing that. And I'm hopeful that he'll have similar success with Pickens. Well, with this being an offense that scored a lot of points in Seattle last week, and that's not an easy thing to do. There is definitely, you know, the need for Pittsburgh to stop them. And it starts with the run. Now they lost Chris Wormley this week for the entire year. So he is on IR with that, uh, with that knee situation that he has going. So, what does that do to the Steelers now? Uh, I know I know when we're talking about Wormley, he was more of a pass rusher than anything, but he's a starter on that line. So how does that affect the Steelers? Or do you think that this might be something where they'll have an opportunity to give Leal more of an opportunity? Yeah, I think Leal will see more reps. I think Loudermilk's got to see some reps. He's got, they got to be able to kick him out to the five tech. Because the Steelers are going to be in a lot of base three four. I mean, the Carolina is going to be in a good amount of twelve personnel, and the Steelers are going to have to play base three four against that. Uh, now, Carolina bases out of their eleven personnel set with three receivers on the field, so it'll be interesting to see if they maybe try and spread the Steelers to run. But I would think that they would follow more of Baltimore's blueprint and load up and try and get the Steelers into that base 3-4, knowing that Pittsburgh's defensive line hasn't been great. I, I mean, it's a – it's uh, gosh, it's, I don't even want to say it because it's like such a sad thing to say. But it was heartbreaking watching the Baltimore game, looking at Cam Hayward get his butt kicked. I mean, I don't – I don't know if I ever remember watching a game where Cam Hayward was, was manhandled like that. I mean – now, granted, he was matched up a lot of the game against Ben Cleveland, who's Cle- uh, Baltimore's right guard, who's 6'6", 370 pounds, and, is, and, you know, and can get off the ball. So it was a physical mismatch in that sense. Uh, but it just, you know, Cam Hayward's just kind of wearing down a little bit. I mean, he's 33 years old. He's been through an awful lot of uh, battles in, in his NFL career, and there comes a time where you start to wear down. I mean, We've certainly seen that from Tyson Alou-Alou this year. He's not the same guy he was two years ago. Um, you know, Wormley was pressed into a lot of action. Now he's out. That means that one of the young guys, Leal or Loudermilk, is going to have to uh, take more of the reps. So, you know, if you're Carolina, it, it makes sense to, to get in your heavier package and get the Steelers to put a, a, a third lineman on the, on the field. I mean, the Steelers are much better when they can go with a smaller package a two, four, five with a third safety out there that it's been really impressive when the Steelers have played with their three safeties with, with Kazee joining uh, Fitzpatrick and Edmonds. So, uh, you know, again, man, if you're Carolina, try to force the Steelers into a bigger lineup and see if you can take advantage of that. So that means that one of those young guys, Leal or Loudermilk's got to have a big week. They certainly do. So let's go to the defensive side of the ball now for the Panthers and talk about the Steelers on offense penetrating this defense. Now, like we talked about before the show, this is a very good defense. There's a lot of guys that could hit you hard, but they don't have a lot of interceptions on this team. The leader is J.C. Horn with three. At corner, C.J. Henderson has two. And then there's some linebackers with 
one or two, but not a lot. They're not a ball hawking team, but are they more dangerous being up front? You know, they're a hard defense to figure out. They've got some good names. You know, you and I talked about Brian Burns, the the speed rushing defensive end, who's a heck of a player. And, Ten and a you know, half sacks. Good. Yeah, you know, and uh, we both like uh, Yatir Gross Matos out of, out of Penn State on the opposite side. They got a, a nice bookend there. And Shaq Thompson, uh, the, the weak side linebacker, is a – uh, a solid player. And I love Jeremy Chin, the free safety. I wrote about him a couple of years ago coming out of the draft as a guy I really liked for the Steelers. And he's, he's turned into a heck of a player. So, I mean, they've got some, some talent there for sure. Uh, but they've been susceptible to a lot of big plays. I mean, they're, they're not defending the pass. Well, I mean, they're, they're, they're uh, 30th in the NFL in defending the pass. And uh, that's a little bit surprising given some of the talent that they have, but, um, you know, they're, they're susceptible to big plays. I mean, that's just been an area where they've, uh, they've struggled is, and, and so you, you know, you think to the Steelers, well, can they push the ball down the field, uh, against a team like this? Because, you know, Carolina does, they do okay defending the run. And, and, um, it seems that maybe Pittsburgh's, uh, might want to open up the game plan a little bit more this week. Great week for Pat Fryermuth. Uh, I think every week's a great <laughs> week for Pat Fryermuth, man. I love him, but you know, come on, man, George Pickens, was targeted four times last week, four times. And, and those four targets, by the way, resulted in three receptions for 78 yards and a defensive pass interference penalty. So so you got to get George Pickens more involved. And this might be a week to do it, matched up against Carolina's corners, who, again, have, have struggled at times, given up big plays. Love to see Pickens get involved. Love to see more from Fryermuth over the middle. And the guy I want to ask you about is a guy that, I have been down on a good bit and I don't want to be, but Deontay Johnson needs to have a huge game. Is this the week that he break, breaks out? I mean, if I could tell you what, what we're going to get from, from Deontay Johnson, I would, I would love to do so. I, I just don't know. I'm, I share your frustration. Uh, I don't, I don't really know specifically what it is that is sort of holding back his development. He seems to have kind of plateaued in that development. You, you kind of hoped that this year, his fourth season would be a year where he would make a jump, but he really hasn't. I mean, he's being, you know, he, he's not dropping the ball like he was earlier, but he, he doesn't seem to be able to be getting open as much. Uh, and he continues to make some of the same silly, you know, sort of lazy pre-snap penalties that he he made last year. Uh, you know, so he we the Steelers have changed wide receiver coaches. He's on he's on his third wide receivers coach in four years since he's been in Pittsburgh. So he would probably benefit some from some more consistency. But um for whatever reason, man, he just hasn't taken off. And you know, another thing that's going to affect Deontay Johnson is we, you know, we don't know who the quarterback's going to be. I mean as, as we record this uh, all three quarterbacks took snaps in practice on on Wednesday and Thursday, uh, including Kenny Pickett. So it seems like Kenny Pickett is, uh, while he's while he's listed as limited in practice, he's not out. But the Steelers have not, as again as, as we record this, have not announced who their starter will be. And there's been discussion that it could even be Mason Rudolph. So I don't know. Is it Trubisky? Is it Rudolph? Is it Pickett? We, we don't know right now. So it's it's hard to speculate on how Johnson might perform given the fact we don't know who the quarterback's going to be. One thing I noticed that when Mitch Trubisky came into the game, it seemed like Deontay Johnson was a little bit more of a priority because they do have uh, 
they seem to have that connection from earlier on in the year. Um, being the number one guy in training camp and being the number one receiver in training camp, respectively. So if you are looking at this game and you're Mike Tomlin and you find out that Kenny Pickett just should not go, and we know Mike Tomlin is not going to force a guy out there that that should not be out there. He's done it so many times in the past. So is this a good opportunity to bring in Mason Rudolph because you've seen what you've seen what you get with Mitch Trubisky and maybe you have a guy on the bench that you haven't given a chance to, do you think he gets elevated? Yeah, it's an interesting question because while, while we talked earlier in the show about, I think Mike Tomlin is his goal is to win every game and he's going to put the players out there who he feels give him, gives him the best opportunity to do that. Um, at the same time, there's, there's virtually no chance that Mason Rudolph's going to be with the Steelers next year. So I think for Tomlin, there'll be an interest, it'll be an interesting decision. Do, do you want to continue to invest reps in Mitchell Trubisky, who may be the backup quarterback? He's under contract for next year. Uh, or, you know, do you switch it up knowing that, you know, maybe, maybe you're, you know, you're essentially showcasing Rudolph for another team. He can leave the Steelers in the offseason. The Steelers will get no compensation for him. Um, and I think it comes down to that question of it, does Tomlin believe that at this point, has he seen enough from Trubisky to say, I'm ready to roll the dice with Rudolph and see what he can do for us, um, regardless of whether or not that has any impact upon you know the future? I, I don't know the answer to that question. I think it all depends on what the Steelers really feel about Trubisky. Tomlin was vocal about it after the game uh, where, you know, when he said, we can't, we can't turn the ball over like that. We have to protect the football in those situations. So it's hard to sometimes read into what he's what he's saying, but it, it certainly seems as though the door is open to Mason Rudolph playing. Very interesting. It's going to be it's going to be something to find out who is going to be up there, and this is going to be a really good game as far as I'm concerned. So just you know, throw the records away. These are two similar teams. These are two teams playing with passion. You've got a team in Carolina that still has a chance to win that division, believe it or not. So what happens in this game? could be very interesting not just for the end of this season but for this could be two good teams in 2023 now i talked about the dwight stone interview and one thing that he said was they love steve wilkes since he has come in and it looks like he could be a front runner for the job next year what are your thoughts on the coaching situation there so anytime you move on from a coach mid-season I think that there's a really good chance that in that for in the short term, you kind of get a bump from that because it's sort of a circle of the wagons type mentality. Everybody realizes a change has been made. Everybody feels like they're now put on alert. Uh, all right. They fired the head coach. What does that mean for me? Whether you're an assistant coach or a player, it, it certainly means that uh, management is making some, some critical evaluations. And, and so I think, I think in the short term, it elevates everybody's, level of focus and intensity like you saw that in indianapolis when jeff saturday took over for frank reich um but then it becomes after after a week or two it becomes a matter of can you sustain it you know is that is that interim coach prepared to do the the hard things on a weekend week out basis that it takes to win football games in the nfl and that's that's about scheme that's about culture that's about you know uh, the locker room, your practice schedule, all those little things. And I think the difference between a Steve Wilkes and a Jeff Saturday right now is we see Carolina having won three out of their last four in Indianapolis after 
winning Jeff Saturday's debut has struggled the last few weeks, uh, is that Steve Wilkes has a long career as an NFL defensive coordinator to fall back on. And I think that he's been around the coaching room enough that he understands all those ins and outs. And I think that that's stuff that Jeff Saturday's learning on the job. So I'm not real surprised. Steve, Steve Wilkes has always been a, a really good defensive mind. Uh, has always been a, a player's coach, a guy who's well-respected by his locker room. And, uh, you know, as long as he can find that formula uh, where, where Carolina runs the ball well and protects the football and plays good defense, I mean, that, that's sort of a universal formula to win football games. And that's what they've been doing. So I'm not, I'm not surprised by their success. Do you have a prediction for this game? And I've, I've followed this rule all season long. If I think it's going to be a close game, I'm going to pick the Steelers because, because why, why not, right? <laughs> uh, but I think this is going to be a, this is going to be a, another close game. The Steelers are in a lot of close games this year. It's going to probably be another, you know, fairly low scoring game, uh, and it's going to come down to you know which team makes the the least amount of mistakes. It's interesting. The Steelers have played well on the road the last couple of weeks, and I think that they understand that they gave one away last week. I think they'll be pissed off and I, I think they'll be motivated. I think Mike Tomlin will push the right buttons and I think they'll win another close one. Well, do you have a score prediction? Um, I mean, what are you in the that, spot, aren't I? Yeah. I, you know, they're going to, there's going to be field goals involved because they're just not good enough on offense to put the ball in the end zone consistently. So I can definitely see this being sort of a 20 to 17 or 23, 17 game, something along those lines. Uh, you know, there'll be, there'll be some moments where you think, Oh man, you know, they just, they, oh, they couldn't finish that drive. Those probably, <laughs> there's probably going to be a moment in the game where they have this great looking drive going and they get down to around the 12 yard line and they've got like first and 10 from the 12. And then somebody jumps off sides and I, freaking smash my remote you know because i'm like <laughs> you know like i mean one of those moments where you just like let out this like no not again that just seems to be like you know they, they've just had these self-inflicted wounds uh at the wrong time uh, all year long so uh but you know against against teams like carolina uh, over the last few weeks they've been able to overcome them and win those games last week against a better team uh the ravens they could it would have really been nice to see that win, but a win against a five and eight Carolina team will be just as huge. They need to go ahead and get in there and take one home. It's uh, as Dwight Stone mentioned that 75% Steeler fans there usually. So it's going to feel like a home game for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, I, I think that that's true. Uh, I, I remember the last time that the Steelers played in Carolina and like I was saying earlier in the show, my, my older son's a Panthers fan. And I was actually looking at tickets to, to sort of fly down there for, they were playing, they played them, it was right around Christmas time and my son's birthday is Christmas Eve. And we were, I was looking at like, oh, can, you know, can we can I afford us to fly down for a couple of days and go to the Steelers Panthers game? Um, and in the end, I decided not to do it, but it was on TV. And I just remember it seemed like two thirds of the crowd were just waving terrible towels. And I just remember thinking to myself, ah, I should be there, you know, because it's a home game in Carolina. So hopefully that helps as well. That's got to be if you're a player and and you're in somebody else's stadium and you look up up into the stands and there's just hundreds and hundreds of terrible towels swirling. That's got to jack you up. You know, that's got to that's got to be a thing that gets you excited. 
I know, man. They, you see those home fan, those fans on the road supporting you. You're like, yes, this is what it's all about. And I, I keep quoting Dwight Stone because he was like, when you see those fans, you know, you just know. <laughs> so I loved it. So with that being said, we got to do a dude of the week. I don't know if I have one yet. So I'm going right, to defer to you. I'm struggling. I'm struggling. I mean, I've got, you know, I thought the best player on the field for the Steelers uh, against Baltimore was Minka Fitzpatrick. He led the team in tackles. He had the big hit on Tyler Huntley that knocked him out of the game. And he just seemed to be the guy playing with the most juice. Uh, but, you know, we, I, th- I feel like we've hit Minka up a few times on this already, you know. And so, I've, I mean, I was really struggling to come up with a guy. I mean, who, who do you got? You got anybody in mind? No. I mean, that's uh, – I'll tell you. I think we should go Minka because it's, this is a tough one. I mean, uh, I could almost, you can't go Kenny Pickett because he didn't play. Um, Mitch came in cold and I give him credit, but the loss was a good bit on his shoulders. The defense, you had problems with the defense. I'm, I'm trying to think of an amazing play here or something that happened. Um, it's hard to give it to any any player, so I'll go with Minka. Yeah, it, it's a yeah, it's a it's a straight. And again, we we keep talking about this game. Oh, the turnovers on offense. Oh, the run defense. Oh, you can't find a dude of the week candidate because nobody stood out. And yet, it's a game that they lost by two points. And yeah, I it's it, I keep coming back to that because I keep thinking to myself, uh, it just feels like such a a heavier loss than that. You know what? I think if we were to give it to anybody, I might even look at George Pickens. Well, I mean, when 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 they targeted him, he did great. Seventy-eight yards, yards, three receptions, and like the and there was no there was no incompletion because that fourth one doesn't count, even though they did target it because it was a pass interference penalty. But it doesn't really even go on the uh, the stat sheet. So he was actually three for three in opportunities in that game. So I'm going to go with GP because the, here's the bigger reason why I'll, I'll go with number 14. It's because he had only three targets and there was no histronics. He did not complain. He did his job. Right. Which is why I think that some of that stuff from the previous week in Atlanta was a bit overblown. I think I had a lot to do with family being in the stands and wanted to want him wanting to play out in front of his, uh, his family in his hometown. And, uh, you know, I think that that, that was as much as, as anything else. So absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. I would think that either Frisman or Mike Tomlin talked to him. Yeah, sure. And that shows me a lot about a player's character to the next week to, you know, still not get what you want because a lot of people thought, Oh, they're going to go to him a million times because that's what he wants. And they did not do that, but he still, Every chance he got, he took care of it. So George Pickens is our dude of the week then. But with a honorable mention to Minka. Yes, sir. I'm good with that. All right. Let's get on out of here. We get closer and closer to the holidays. You getting excited? I am, man. It's a it's a cool time for us because it's a it's birthday season. All all, all three of my kids were all Capricorns. And all 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 of my myself included, our birthdays are all between December 24th and January 10th. So you get, you got four birthdays wedged in that little two and a half week window and, uh, and then Christmas and new years and, 
So, I mean, there's an awful lot of celebrating going on over the, over that time. And uh, it's just, you know, it's a great time to, to be with family and, you know, I, it's always, it always feels special. So I'm looking forward to it. I know what you're talking about. I really, really enjoy this time of year. I'm, I get so excited. I, I love it. I like it better when the Steelers are doing well, but you know, the Steelers have, I have a, a great tradition of the Steelers watching the Steelers over Christmas and they will yep. be on, on Christmas Eve as well. So that's going to be a weird one for me. Um, I've never seen, I've seen them on Christmas Eve, but never primetime Christmas Eve. Right. Yeah. That'll be interesting. And you know what, you know, a, a, this is my quick, this is my quick message to the Steelers fans who are listening. Um, it's frustrating year in, in many regards, but, but this is a Steelers team that where there's a lot to be excited about. And I just, I really feel as though they, you know, they've got some, some work to, to do this off season. No question about that. And we'll, you know, we'll, we'll talk that to death when the season's over, but, uh, but they've got some really good pieces in place and they, and they're sitting in some pretty good, uh, a pretty good situation with the upcoming draft. Uh, you know, the bears seem to help the Steelers out just about every week and, and they got to play the Eagles this weekend. So it looks like another loss for Chicago and, uh, and I, and, and the Steelers are, are flush with cap money next year. And it just feels as though they've got the opportunity to make some good moves uh, and put themselves right back in the thick of things next season. So, well, this has not been the season Steeler fans have wanted. I think that they're a lot closer than a lot of people give them credit for. And don't forget about the fact that Omar Khan, this is going to be his first off season. And what we've seen so far is reason to be excited. And Andy Weidel, uh, you know, his, his fingerprints are all over that, that uh, Eagles team. You know, he, he was there when they won the Super Bowl, and then and then a lot of the veterans from that Super Bowl team left, and they sort of rebuilt that team on the fly, and and look where they are now. And he had a huge part in that as well. So, yeah, between Khan and, and Andy Weidel, I think the Steelers have some really good decision makers in place. Well, I love it, and I'm looking forward to it. You should look forward to another episode of let's ride and that was this morning it was a great show with jeff hartman as always with jerome betts his name's jeremy but uh once uh, jeff changes your name it's you have no choice so very good show check out tonight another episode of tony defio with steelers touchdown under don't forget about Another episode of State of the Steelers with Daniel J. Now that he's back from his uh, mimicking Minka Fitzpatrick with his appendectomy. And you don't want to miss. This is becoming one of my favorite shows. And it's called We Run the North with Kevin Tate and the crew. He brings in guys representing every single team in the AFC North every single week. And it's just a fun. It's like listening in on a great bar conversation. These guys are awesome then dave schofield is going to get us ready for the game with last minute thoughts leading up to the panthers game so it's going to be a lot of fun but go back and listen to this again because kevin as always you put on a clinic thanks always fun talking to you brian and uh anytime we're talking to Steelers, it's a good night all right let's get out of here for kevin smith my name is brian anthony davis you can call me bad I got to think I've got a million catchphrases now. Uh, let's yeah. try this one more time. Keep your feet on the ground. And keep reaching for the hypocycle. Hey, we did it. Woohoo.